And uh, just want to give a shout out to our ladies, uh, sisters in the house for yesterday. I got to participate from the back. I wasn't involved, okay? I wasn't there, but I got to watch from the outside. And they had a woman's breakfast yesterday. It's tremendous. So I want to congratulate all the, all the uh, women and the uh, teen ministry and the family life ministry. What a tremendous event you guys put together. Life-changing. So I, I, you know, cover my ears for part of it. So, but it was a great, great, great time. And if you're here uh, as a guest today, I uh, want to tell you that we're really glad you're here and I uh, hope that we can help you. If there's anything we can do for you uh, in your journey, whatever you're working through and going through, and hopefully today uh, what you've heard already and what you're going to hear can be helpful. Uh, our mission as a, as a church is helping people who don't go to church find a church where they can grow and, and get close to God. And so that's what we're about. You're right in the middle. We're right in the middle of a series called Follow, as you can see on the screen. And what we've been talking about, the whole theme has been about following Jesus. What does that look like? There's a lot of misconceptions uh, from what we've seen. And if you've missed any of it, uh, you can go to our website and, and watch the first six. After today, it'll be six. This, this series is going to go on forever, by the way, because um, we need it. But today's part six. You can go back and look at part one through five. And uh, I got to gotta make a confession to start out Faye, for the first one. You ready? Got to make a confession. When I decided to follow Jesus, it was all about me. You know, you hear maybe somebody out there that, they, no, they fell in love with Jesus and they did it for Jesus. You know why I did it? For me. I was in love with me. I was going through stuff in my life, and I said, you know what? If I follow Jesus, all this stuff's going to get worked out. And so my motivation to follow Jesus was for me. Uh, you know, I had, I had stuff going on in my life, and I was making a mess, and I knew there was going to be consequences for the things that I had been doing for a number of years. And here's a big reason why I became a follower of Jesus, and and. You guys could help me uh, with the clicker here. This, is a, this was a huge motivation for me. Now, not of people don't believe in hell, but I knew that I was going to have to pay for or suffer consequences for the things that I did. And I wasn't a big Bible reader. I wasn't a, a religious person. But this was a main motivation for why I wanted to get my life right. I did not want to go. Somebody said, hey, you want to go to heaven or go to hell? And I was like, heaven. Absolutely. I want that. I need that today. And so this was a huge motivation for, for me. And one thing you're going to understand as you read the New Testament, and I encourage you to do that uh, so you can know what it says, not hear it from somebody else, but it's important for you to know. One of the things you're going to realize is that all of Jesus's followers, they followed Jesus for who? For them. They did it for them. They were in it for themselves. I mean, what's the downside? Jesus is offering free food, free medical care. Nobody else could do what Jesus did. He did amazing things. His lessons were awesome. If you follow Jesus, you're going to become a better person. You'll become a better student. You'll get along with your friends better. You'll be more forgiving. There's so many benefits to following 
Jesus. And so all of the followers of Jesus, guess why they did it? For them. You know, but at some point when you're following Jesus and you want to do it for yourself, what's in it for me? There's going to be a time in you're following Jesus that what you want and what God wants, and we talked about this last week, they're going in different directions. But this was the question that all the followers of Jesus asked. And this may be the question, you're here today because you're asking this question. Things have gone maybe a little sideways in your life, and so you go, if I come to church, maybe God will throw me a bone, and you know, he'll help me out, and things will start to work out better in my life. But that's what everybody else was thinking. And then, so the apostles, the followers of Jesus, they asked this question, what's in it for me? And this describes what we talked about last week, a what? A consumer. You're holding your hand out. Hey, what, what can I get out of this? And we're going to look at this. And last week we looked at this passage. It says, when Jesus looked at his disciples and he rebuked them, Peter, he looked at Peter and he said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. This was a strong statement. We looked at it last week. But why was Jesus so strong with him? And he looked, he said it. He said, you don't have in mind the concerns of God, but you have merely human concerns. What he's saying to Peter is, Peter, you've got to move from here, human concerns, to start being focused on God concerns. There's a difference. There's a huge difference. I know why you came, but there needs to be a transition, Peter, because you're a consumer. You're not a follower. And a true follower of Jesus is somebody who's concerned about God's concerns, what he wants. And then Jesus had a time where he talked about how difficult it's going to be for rich people to enter the kingdom of God. And Peter, he's feeling, you know, wow, this is a hard teaching, but what about me? And, and in this teaching, rich people, you could say, well, I'm glad I'm not in that category. Let me, let me break it down for you. If you earn in, in a year $47,000, in a year, guess what? You're in the top 4% of the population of the world. I think Jesus would put you in that category of rich people, wouldn't he? But nobody's, nobody's applauding. Hey, wow, I'm in the top 4%. Why, why isn't there applause and, and music playing? Because you don't, you don't feel rich, do you? You don't feel it, but you are. And so Peter's in this, this, this conversation with Jesus, and he's talking about the rich, and, and Peter goes, hey, wait a minute. Look what he says here in Matthew 19, verse 27. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for me? Hey, listen, I've done all this stuff, God. I've changed my life, and, and I've done everything, and, and I'm here, and I'm willing, and I've done it all. What's in it for me? And we got to get open today about why you're here. Who are you really in it for? And i got to be honest. The reason why I follow Jesus, the reason why all the followers of Jesus follow Jesus, because they were in it from them. But Jesus says, listen, there's going to come a point in time. You may, come to the, you may come to following Jesus like this with your hands closed. But at some point, at some point, this little pinky finger has got to open up. And then this one. And then finally, if you're really going to follow Jesus, you've got to open your hands. That's what it comes down to. 
And so I don't know where you are on your journey of following Jesus. But this is what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. And there is a difference between true followers of Jesus and, and not true. And when Jesus was arrested, what happened to the apostles? All these guys, they unfollowed Jesus. Not sure that's a word, but we use it, right? They, they unfollowed Jesus. Jesus was arrested. They said, wait a minute. I didn't have this in my plan. I thought Jesus was going to become the Messiah, the ruler, take over the empire, rule the world like the Old Testament says the Messiah is going to do. And so when Jesus got arrested, what happened to the 12? See ya. Peace out, Jesus. I didn't want this. I don't want this. This doesn't, this doesn't work in my plan. And so they unfollowed Jesus. Maybe you know somebody who unfollowed Jesus. You know, they were in it, and then things started to get a little challenging, a little sideways, and they unfollowed Jesus. But what did Jesus do? When he pulled them back together again, did he kick them out? He forgave them. He forgave those 12. And then something happened with the 11 that were left over. They decided they were going to follow Jesus with their hands open, and they changed the world. In fact, most of them, if not all of them, were willing to die and did die for following Jesus. And what was the turning point? Did they preach about a, resur a, a, a crucified Jesus? No, they didn't preach a crucified Jesus. They, they preached a resurrected Jesus, that he rose from the dead. That was the turning point when they saw Jesus raised. And they proclaimed the message all over the Mediterranean. But there was one disciple that we're going to look at today. He's infamous. Everybody knows his name. How, how, many of, how many of you here today name your children Judas? Do you know someone named Judas? Maybe in another country that has the name Judas. Why don't we name our children Judas? Because he was a traitor. He was infamous. But what we're going to talk about today, we're going to, we're going to look at this, this, this follower or consumer, we'll see, and find out maybe you and I have a little bit in common with Judas. Maybe you and I are a little bit like him. And he was just like, Judas was just like the rest of the 12. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And for a Jewish young man or a Jewish man, they knew that the Messiah was going to be a conqueror, a king. He was going to reign. He was going to be the anointed one. He was going to reign. And so they were thinking in political and in physical power terms that Jesus was going to take over the Roman Empire and rule. And because they believed that, guess what was going to happen to them? When Jesus is promoted to power, guess who's going to be there with him? We are. Guess who's going to be the treasurer when Jesus is promoted to power? He is. But see, here's something that was happening for all of the apostles. Jesus was moving too slow. Things weren't working out the way. Remember last week we talked about Peter. Peter, Peter pulled Jesus aside and said, Jesus, why are you going dark all the time? You're always talking about your death and you're going to be crucified. And why are you talking about that? That's not the Messiah that I know. That's not the one that I've read. Why are you going dark? And see, for, for Judas, 
a Jewish man, Jesus just wasn't fitting into the pattern. Things were not happening the way that he thought they would. And so, for example, he saw that Jesus was more friendly to sometimes the Romans than he was to the priests, the Jewish priests. He healed a Roman centurion servant. He was nice to the Romans, but yet he was so hard on the Jewish priests, he couldn't figure that one out. In fact, he was too passive for maybe his, his viewpoint. And so what Judas did is what a lot of us can tend to do when we're feeling things aren't working out the way we want, we try to speed it up. And Judas was in this position. Hey, what if I speed up this, this power change? What if I, I kind of work with the system? Because I want Jesus to be in power. And so what can I do to speed this up? So we're going to pick up the story about Judas, a guy just like us. There was an incident in Bethany where everything changed for Judas. It was that moment where his heart was exposed and everything. So let's pick it up here, this story, the incident at Bethany. Ready? And, and in this incident, you're going to see our agenda, your agenda, and God's agenda are going in two different directions. And you have to make a choice. So let's, let's pick it up in Matthew chapter 26, verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper. Now, I don't know how he got this nickname, but I don't, I don't know if I would like this name, you know, leper. Simon, maybe he was healed, you know, from leprosy. But, and so he was at this guy's house, and a woman came into the meal where they were eating. She came in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. It says in verse 8, when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money could have been given to the poor. Now I want you to imagine this. You get invited to somebody's house for dinner. It's a nice dinner. And they throw the spread for you. They put the silver silverware, not just the, you know, the, the, the pewter or the the, the, the painted, covered. No, I'm saying the real deal silverware. And they set the table and they get real china, crystal glasses, because they want to make a great impression on you and they want to have a great meal for you. I want you to imagine yourself sitting at the table with incredible spread. You pick up the fork, the silver pork, and you say, really? You're going to eat with this? Do you know what this could be sold for and given to the poor? I mean, how's the rest of the meal going to go after that? That was what was happening. And here's this woman trying to do a really, really kind act to Jesus, express her gratitude. But then there's this angst. It says the disciples, but John's account, John's account tells us a little bit more. Look what John's account says. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and money given to the poor as it was worth a year's wages? This wasn't a small deal. That jar of perfume was worth 25, 30 grand. I mean, man, maybe Judas had a point. That's a lot of money. But Judas was the one with the angst. And what was Judas's real heart? He goes on to tell us. He didn't say this. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor. 
but because he was a thief. As he was the keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself with what was put into it. So what's going on with, with Judas here? I mean, he's the keeper of the money bag, and I don't know how he got the job, but maybe they looked at Matthew and said, Matthew, you, you were a tax collector. I don't think it's going to work for you to keep the money bag. And Thomas, you really don't know how to count. So he volunteered. Judas says, I'll take care of it. I'm good with money. But what did he do with the money? He took care of himself. Here's the interesting thing. He was one of Jesus' disciples, yet he had some stuff going on in his life. He was a thief and there was a motivation, yet he was still following Jesus. And, you know, I don't know where this lands for you. Maybe you've seen somebody who was a follower of Jesus and they weren't living the life and you go, I don't know. Yeah, here's one. And you may run into that. But you see what, what's happening with Judas. And we go on and we read, aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did this to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, whenever you, wherever this gospel is preached, throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This was a prophecy. You know what's crazy? Today, this prophecy is being fulfilled right here, right now. 2,000 years later, we're talking about this woman who did a beautiful thing. Jesus said it was going to happen here thousands of miles away. We're talking about this woman, and we're saying what she did was a beautiful thing. Amazing, isn't it? We get to fulfill prophecy today. But in this situation, the next verse, verse 14, then. So Jesus is in this incident, and something happened. There was a bump. What I want, I want some of that money from that alabaster jar. And Jesus is saying, no, you got to let it go because this is a beautiful thing. Then. It's a crucial word. Then. At that moment, Judas made a crucial decision. Then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests. And he asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? Whoa. He went from follower to turning him over to the enemy. I mean, this, this is probably the most wild statement in the Bible. I will deliver him over to you. Stop and think about that. You're going to hand, you're going to take the Messiah of God and you're going to deliver him? Let, let's stop here a minute. Wait a minute. Judas, do you remember, do you remember the lake when we were out there and we were almost going to die and Jesus was taking a nap and we woke him up and Jesus spoke to the weather? He, he, he told the weather what to do. He you're going to turn over the guy who controls the weather? You're going to turn him over to them? 
Jesus, I mean, Judas, do you remember what, when Lazarus, Lazarus, our friend that we knew, he was dead for three days. And you went to the family and you said, open the tomb. And the family said, no, 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 thank you, but don't open the tomb. And he opened it anyway and he called out a dead man for three days and resurrected a dead man. You're going to hand this, this, this son of God over to the authorities? The same hands that healed blind people? The same hands that, that healed the lame? Now here's where it gets tricky. See, because in this weekend I was reading a lot of commentaries. And I'm going, wait a minute. They really paint Judas in a bad light. Maybe Judas was just like you and me. I read one commentary, and he said, Judas got caught in a trap. And the trap was he wanted something, and he was trying to force his will. He's trying to speed up the process. Maybe he was saying this, I'm going to deliver him over to you, but in reality, he knows no one can stop Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. There's no way these guys are going to arrest and kill Jesus. Jesus is going to come out. It's all going to come to light. He's going to be the Messiah. He'll forgive me for what I did. And guess what? I get to keep 30 silver coins on the side. What's the downside? They're not going to stop Jesus. No one can stop Jesus. He's the son of God. I've seen him do amazing things. And so maybe, maybe Judas wasn't wanting to turn Jesus over so they could kill him. Maybe Jesus was, Judas was turning Jesus over so that he could expedite the whole process. And he would be lifted up as the Messiah. I could conceive that. And so we see this thing, and you got to ask yourself the question, what is Judas thinking at this point? What is he doing? And I believe Judas was doing something that you and I do sometimes, the hip pocket God. You know what I'm talking about, the hip pocket God? Hip pocket God is... I need you now because I'm in a tough spot. But tomorrow when I go to work and I'm doing this deal that's not really a great deal, it's kind of a shady deal, I, I want you to stay home, God. I want you to stay home there, and then I'll, I'll come back and we'll talk later. Or, you know, I'm going on spring break. God, you don't need to come with me on spring break. I'll, I'll come back, and then I'll come back to church. Or when we have a health problem we pull out our hip pocket God and say, oh God, please, please. But where's he been the rest of the time? He's been in your pocket. Let me just say this, hip pocket God that we complain about, he doesn't exist. He doesn't exist. The one that you say, well, God, you know, why do you let bad things happen to good people? See, that's not God's deal. You want to blame him for things. And here's, a, here's an interesting fact that Judas found out. God's hand can't be forced. And his will can't be thwarted. 
Guess what Judas was trying to do by turning Jesus over to the authorities? He was trying to speed up the process and get some money. But you can't force God's hand. When I read this story, guys, I just got to tell you, it disturbed me because I said, I got a lot in common with Judas. There's times that I want what I want. And see, just like Judas, I want my will and, 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 and God's will to, to intersect. I want it so bad. I say, God, will you, will you work what I want? Will you do what I want? And I believe in you. I believe you're good. Can you do this way I want? Can you work it out the way I want? And what we're going to find out is when you do this, you can't force God's hand. His plan and his will will not be thwarted. And so we read on. This, this is where it gets really intense. We jump to chapter 27 in verse 1. Judas worked it all out with them. They couldn't arrest Jesus during the day because the crowds would kill whoever tried to touch Jesus. But if they did it at night, if, if somebody knew where they meet at night, where no one was around, and Judas set it up perfectly, he says, I know where there'll be. We just had our Passover meal. I know where they'll be. He slipped out of the Passover meal quickly, went to the priest and said, hey, you guys meet me at this time and at this place. Bring soldiers, bring clubs, bring lanterns. And this is how it'll go down. So they did it. And here's the interesting thing that can comfort us. You and I will never be able to sin the way Judas sinned. Never. By putting our hands on the Son of God on his shoulders and with a kiss, betraying Jesus. We'll never be able to do that. So we read, this is what happened. Jesus is arrested early in the morning. All the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans to have Jesus executed. Forget about a trial. We don't need a trial. We've already judged him. We've already condemned him. There's no need for a trial. Let's just get this done. And so Judas knew at this moment, maybe, maybe he knew at this moment, once this happens and they try, no one's been successful to arrest Jesus to this point, and no one will, because no one can stop the Messiah unless God has a plan that's different than Judas's plan. And here's what goes crazy, verse 2. So they bound him and led him away over to Pilate, the governor. This was a turn that Judas had no idea was going to happen. That they would involve the Romans now. And you're going to see something happen in Judas. His reaction is intense. Verse 3. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of several coins to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, 
for I have betrayed innocent blood. Here's what happened for Judas. This isn't the way I had it planned. I didn't know it was going to go this way. You mean Jesus is going to be condemned and killed? And then the prophecies of Jesus started to line up with what he remembered Jesus said. And he said, wait a minute. I'm caught in a trap. I thought it was going to go down this way. That was what I wanted. And now it's going to go down this way. And he's seized with remorse. Oh, my God. And he takes the 30 silver coins and he throws them into the back part of the temple where only the priest could get them. You see, when we go forward with our will and it's contrary to the God, God's will for our lives, things will happen that we can't control anymore. There's some trains when they leave the station, they'll never come back. There's some decisions that you and I can make that will affect the rest of our lives and there's no way to fix it. This story scared me to death. I'm like, wait a minute. You mean God's going to let me go forward with what I want? He's not going to stop me? And it can get so far down the road that I'm going to find myself outside the will of God. And I'm going to find myself participating in something that is so destructive, so dark, I can't imagine it. And then the priest's response, amazing. What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. Here he was cutting a deal with the priests, and they pulled away from him. He's not a part of the apostles and the disciples anymore. He's not a part of the institution and the priests anymore. He finds himself all alone with the weight of condemning and betraying Jesus. Wow. What do you do with that? And here's what happened. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. He couldn't live with himself after this. He couldn't handle it. The pain, the burden, the guilt, he couldn't deal with it. There was another betrayer. Peter, he made a big mistake. He, he betrayed Jesus. He, maybe not to this degree, but there's a difference. He got right with Jesus. See, he opened his hand, said, forgive me, Lord, I messed up. I tried to do it my way, but I realized your way was another way. This is a sad story of how life can trap us when we want what we want so bad that we're willing to compromise the will of God and the will of what's best for us and for people around us. Here's the fact. God's hand can't be forced. His will can't be thwarted. 
And here's the craziest thing of all. This is so crazy that Judas, this, I mean, it's like a Hollywood story. Judas had his will. He was scheming. He was planning. And somehow Judas' story interweaves with our salvation. You've got to stop and think about that. How in the world? And it's happened because God's hand, I don't care what you do, what you think you're going to do, God's hand can't be thwarted. You can't change what's going to happen and what he has planned. You can't force it. And so we read, we continue, and, you know, you think, well, all right, that's a nice story and everything, but what's this have to do with me? Everything. You know why? When I read this, when I went through this whole story and this whole study, it bothered me. You know, and I, I, I read commentaries because I'm just, I'm looking through stuff and I'm just trying to read. I'm going, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to find it out. I got to find, this can't be. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. See, you and I are a lot like Judas. Yeah. Because we want what we want. And then when, when we follow Jesus, there's a time in our following of Jesus where our will and God's will collide. But you don't understand. I want this. And you know it's not God's will. You know it's not what God wants. And so for all of us, this is something that we've got to think about. Is there anything? Have there been decisions in your life that you've made? There's a conflict between what my will is and God's will is. And there are competing agendas. You can't have it both ways if you're going to be a follower of Jesus. At some point, if you're going to be a true follower of Jesus, you can't be a consumer anymore. You've got to say, you got to open your hand. You come to Jesus this way, and at some point, you got to let go and say, it's not what I want anymore. It's what you want, God. And those, those, are, scary, those are scary thoughts. Here's something we talked about the last couple weeks. It will feel like a moral imperative. What do I mean? You're going to feel a conflict so deep inside of you you know, there's people in our church that they're working on a relationship with somebody who's not a follower, and they're thinking, she's so cute, or he's so cute, and he, he's, he's my dream, dream girl, dream guy. I think this could work. I think she could become a Christian. I think he could become a Christian. I think this, we, this deal that I'm doing at, at work, I think it can work out. I know it's not, uh, but I think it can work out. And so what do we do? We make the deal. or the purchase of something we really can't afford. The thing that you know is weighing on your heart and your conscience, you will feel like it's a moral imperative. I can't do this. Your conscience leaps out and says, no. Question is, will you listen? Not only that, it feels like a death. Why? 
Because you'll, you'll be in this relationship with somebody and you'll think, man, I can't live without her. I can't live without him. I can't live without this. I can't live without that. And to decide to not live with it, it's going to feel like a death. A part of you is dying. But it is a defining moment. And the defining moment is whose you really are. See, the defining moment for Judas was when he walked out of that meal and decided to make the trade. That was a defining moment. You and I are going to be faced with defining moments in our life. Do I do this or do I do this? And you're going to feel so much, oh, I want to do this, I want to do this. But in reality, God's saying, no, that's not what I want you to do. And you're going to find out in that moment, as just as I have, we all have, whose you are. And you know what I found out in this study? There are areas of my life that I've not let go to trust God and let him work. I've tried to expedite things. I've tried to move things along. I've tried to, you know, do things. And you know what I've learned? It never ends well. Boy, it ends sideways. It's messy. And it takes a lot longer to clean up. And what Judas found out is there's no way to fix it. You can be forgiven, but there's no way to fix it. So here's the bottom line. Let's wrap up this, this whole lesson today. Here's, here's what, what, it, what it comes down to for you and I. I want what you, this being God, I want what you want more than I want what I want. I want what you want more than I want what I want. That's the defining moment. Does this sound familiar? Who said this? Some of you know. See, Jesus would never ask us to do anything. He, he was also being a man, walking this earth as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a human man. He had a defining moment as well when he was facing the cross. And this is what he said. I want what you want more than I want what I want. But this is hard. So today, I'm feeling nice. So I'm going to let you off the hook a little bit today, okay? Because I'm a sinner just like you. I'm in this struggle just like you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little wiggle room. And so you can go ahead and thank me. All right, go ahead. Thank you. All right, you people online, you can say it online. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So here's how we're going to change this phrase, because this is heavy. I want to want what you want more than what I want. I want to want what you want more than what I want. See, because this acknowledges the truth. It's hard for us. This is hard. I want to want what you want more than what I want. I want to wrestle with this. I want to struggle with this. And, you know, following Jesus is a process. 
These, the followers, the more you read the scriptures, you realize, you go, these guys didn't do it in a minute. They didn't, they didn't say, oh, yes, I'm all in. It was a process. Their hands went, started out like this, and then the little fingers started to open up, and then everything started to, to the point when they were like this, wide open, ready. Whatever you want, God, we'll do it. All in. So, this is what I want to encourage you to pray this week. Heavenly Father, I want to want what you want more than what I want. This is a struggle. And I know for a fact, I know this about you. You may be here for the first time and you may say, this is landing right on my head today. Because there's something going on in your life. You've got a moral dilemma. You've got something going on, and you know it's not right. Even some of our members today, you guys have things going on in your lives where you're making deals, and you're making trades, and you're asking God, you're saying, God, can it work out so my will and your will can't, you know, the hip pocket God, can't, can't this work out so my will and your will intersect? Come on. It's not going to work. That's why we need to pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I want what you want more than what I want. Start your day like this. What is it that you want? Really, really want. I, you guys have seen this. You have seen people. Remember, some of you have been around a long time. Remember the Jacques? They used to be members here. They, they were MDs, and, and, and they went, they left everything, and they went to Cambodia, and they... And they left everything and they went to Cambodia to practice medicine in a clinic. You go, wait a minute, you live in Southern California. You have a medical license here in Southern California. You know how many people want a medical license to live here in paradise? They gave all that up to go live in an armpit. It's hot and it's humid and it's poor and it's dirty and it's, it's tough. And you go, wow, how did they do that? I guess they wanted what you wanted, God, more than what they wanted. And we look at those people and you go, I got to say, I, I can never do that. I can never do that. Yeah, you may not be able to do it now, but you need to get yourself to a place where you can get closer to this. Okay? And it's a process for all of us. And it doesn't stop. I've done mission work. I've gone to the, you know, the armpits and served. It, it's still, he still asks, hey, I, I got something different planned for you. And there are some of us here today, you know this. Let's just stop and think. How many people do you know who turned this down? No, I'm giving in. I'm going for the relationship. I don't know if I will ever meet a girl like her again. I don't know if I will ever be as popular as I am right now. I got to go for it. I know God's will is not here, but I got to go for it. Boy, some of us have made, some people you know have made that decision. That train left the station and their lives were completely destroyed. 
And as I said before, there's forgiveness, but the consequence, hmm. But here's where it can all start for us today. If you pray this prayer, I want what you want. I'm deciding today to, to engage in that struggle. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to engage, and that's, that's my decision today. I'm going to engage in this struggle. I'm laying it down. Okay, God, what do you want? And you know, it's going to mean waiting for some of us because we want it right now. Come on, God, it's got to be right now, this week, this month, this year. It may not happen like that. You can't force God's hand. You can't thwart God's will. Here's the interesting thing is, Jesus didn't stop Judas from doing what Judas wanted to do. And you know, sometimes in church, we want to stop people from doing what they want to do. You know, we've tried that before, haven't we? They try to work it around and say, if you do that, you better understand. You know what? You know what Jesus told Judas? Go do what you're going to do. He's not going to stop us. And you know what else? God's not going to stop you either. This should send chills down our spine. It should really get us nervous. Because God's not going to stop you from ruining your life. He's not going to stop you from ruining your marriage. He's not going to stop you from ruining your family. He's not going to stop you from ruining your career. you got to make that choice. I go, man, that's so irresponsible. Why didn't he just control us, you know, like my, 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 my iPad here, you know? Why, why didn't he do that? But here's something I want to share with you, my experience. Do you really want what you think you want? I mean, we could do this. You, you want an iPad, an iPod touch, don't you? You really want it. And the media tells us this enough. Our friends tell us enough. You really want a girlfriend? You really want to have intimacy with, with women? And, and you really want this career? You really want a six-figure? You really want a, a, a full ride to this university? You really want that 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 amazing job you really want it don't you and they tell you enough times where you go yeah that's what I want but it's not really what you want I remember when I first started following Jesus just a few months it was a Wednesday night walk out of church and I'm feeling so high I'm feeling so filled up because I just had an amazing night of fellowship of learning about God and the word and and I just changed my life. And I remember, I remember walking out of church, and I'm, I, I, just, I just looked up and I said, God, thank you. This is who I really want to be. This is who I've always wanted to be. I wanted to be honest. I wanted to be honorable. I didn't want to be this, this guy that I've turned into, this monster. This is who I want to be. This is what I want. See, I came to my own conclusion what the world's telling me I want is not really what I want. You gotta figure out what you really want. And I believe what you really want on the inside, what's really on your heart, is God's will for your life. Why are you postponing that? Why are you delaying that? Why are you dancing around that? 
You're just delaying the joy and the fulfillment and the, the, the participation in an amazing purpose of changing not just your life, but the lives of people around you. It's amazing what we get to do. So, what if Judas could speak to us? What if he could offer us some wisdom? Maybe he would say this. Blessed is the one who chooses to do the will of God rather than attempting to impose his own will on God. Maybe he would say this. Maybe, maybe he would tell us, he would give us the advice. He said, listen, I've done it. It ruined me. Don't do it. Do the will of God. Don't try to, don't try to manipulate it so that his will is your will and, and you do what you want. Don't do that. It'll ruin you. Blessed is the man or the woman who chooses to do the will of God rather than attempting because... God's will can't be stopped. His plan cannot be thwarted. And so I leave you with that today. And the big question is, what do I do? It may take you some time, but I want to encourage you to do this one thing, what it says on the screen. Just follow. Just follow. Say that prayer. Wrestle through your stuff, whatever you're going through. Talk to people. Get in there and follow Jesus. If you're a guest here today and this has resonated with you and you're like, yeah, 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 I want to encourage you to follow. Make a decision to follow Jesus. Show some courage for what you know is right instead of following the crowd. Let me pray for you and then you'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for preserving the story of the apostles and the followers of Jesus. I know this falls on a lot of people's lives right now, including my own. Father, I pray that you'll help us to let go and open our hands so that we won't try to use you like Judas did. We don't want to use you. We want to serve you because we know you have our best interests in mind. Every time when we do the right thing, God, you bless us and our lives are amazing. Father, forgive us today. Give us a new start. And we pray today that we will want what you want more than what we want. Help us with that and the decisions that we've got to make this week. We love you. Thank you. Be with us and bless us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.